travel, it's one of life's greatest pleasures. When we journey abroad, we discover new places and meet fascinating people, but we also gain perspective and take on a wider view of the world around us. That was Trevor Ranges, and I'm Scott Coates. After more than 25 years living and working in Asia, we've developed an amazing network of interesting characters throughout the region. Talk Travel Asia is our way of sharing them with you. Plug in and get connected to hot tips, interesting perspectives, and expert travel advice as we cultivate travel insight through intelligent conversation. Welcome to Talk Travel Asia. This one is Traveling Afghanistan with Rick Gazarian. Few nations in the modern era have as tortured a history as Afghanistan. It's been in conflict for most of the last century and is still firmly unstable. Hippie caravan travelers passed through the country in the 1970s while making their way from Europe to Kathmandu, but today it's pretty much off the travel radar. But not for our guest, who will share tales of his recent visit. From Bangkok, Thailand, I'm Scott Coates, and with me as always is... Trevor Ranges here from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. How you doing, Scott? I'm doing good, man. I'm doing good, and I feel revitalized and energized, and why do you think that is? Maybe it's been a long time since we've recorded one of these episodes. Hey, right, you are. In fact, uh, episode 100, which has had a ton of listens, by the way. Thank you, everyone, for nice. listening. That was over a year ago in May 2019, you know, so uh, we decided to take a bit of a break. We love this, but, you know, it is a lot of work, takes a lot of time, and we just thought, let's put it on pause. So what did you get up to, let's say, in Christmas and New Year's 2019 since our listeners last met with us? Yeah, it's been a while. We got a lot of things we might be able to discuss. Christmas and New Year's. Eh? I guess uh, I went back to Hawaii for Thanksgiving and oh, my mom's uh-huh. birthday, Christmas, New Year's. That's usually what I do, spend time with my family there. Uh, there were some good big waves to watch, but uh, unfortunately I wasn't able to surf because I had a wrist injury. Um, but it's still always nice to go home, spend time with the family, go to the beach, see some friends. Uh, so yeah, I was in Hawaii for the holidays. How about yourself? Uh, I was in Bangkok and my parents were here on a two-month visit. So it was actually a quiet one, but it was great because we took out my fake tree we put it up my mom decorated it we had presents under it and christmas day you know we did present by present one person at a time Uh, went to a hotel for a christmas spread that had an incredible deal on food and drinks and new year's just went for a bite to eat came back to the house Uh, parents were in bed before midnight my wife and i watched fireworks across parts of the city from the balcony so yeah good one Yeah, you guys have a nice view there in your place in Bangkok. And uh, it's great that your parents came back out again, because I remember uh, in the past we thought maybe they they weren't coming back to Asia again. But uh, maybe just like our listeners, your parents can't get enough and they keep coming back to to do more trips and see more things over here. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And uh, before we get any further, you know, one of the things about this break was realizing that there's people that miss us. Like we got messages on Facebook uh, to our email basically saying, hey, what happened to you guys? And I noticed we have some Patreon sponsors that have continued to sponsor us even when we're not putting out episodes. So in the next few episodes, we're going to thank those people. But do help us keep this thing going. Uh, Trevor and I do this out of our own pocket, our own funds. We don't make money on it. And if you go to patreon.com and look for Talk Travel, or Talk Travel Asia, you can support us from a dollar a month upwards, right up to $100 or more. But we'll give a shout out on this one to a longtime 
Patreon, Patrick Alaspa. I hope I said that right. He's been, man, supporting us for a couple of years. So thank you very much, Patrick, and to everyone else. And please take a moment and throw down a dollar a month. We'd really appreciate it. It really helps us get going. So, Trevor, tell me, what do you know about Afghanistan? Wow. You know, I mean, uh, obviously, we're both pretty worldly guys. Uh, I yep. studied political science at university. So Afghanistan has always been uh, kind of in the middle of the mix uh, politically. Right. right. Um, and then a number of years ago, my buddy Albert, he was working in Afghanistan for many years. Ah, I know Albert. Uh, yeah, I didn't Albert, know Albert was a contractor and he worked in Afghanistan for many years. So he told me a bit about his experiences, mostly in Kabul, um, but working with Afghanistan people and uh, you know it seemed like a very interesting it always has seemed like an interesting place um, a lot of interesting history you know beautiful mountains and countryside uh, but you know honestly I never really thought about traveling there how about yourself I always think of this Swiss guy on Cosmet, an island uh, in the Gulf of Thailand and he owns a resort there with his Thai wife and he told me tales like 18 years ago when I was at his resort of him traveling overland from Switzerland to Nepal and about Afghanistan and how great it was. So I have that image in my head and like this fantastical place. And then, of course, I have all the modern stuff that I've learned about war, violence, beheadings, stonings, just all that stuff. But then I love mountains. So these I, I have also the pictures in my head that I've seen of, of very dry, high mountain ranges absolute beauty and snow but but that's really about it so yeah i i mean yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this it's a bit of a void i know it's it's kind of tragic when bad things happen to places like this you know because again like uh you know i don't necessarily think any people are inherently bad so there's probably wonderful people if you travel to afghanistan there's probably beautiful countryside there's interesting food interesting arts dance uh, again i mean of course because of the taliban they they probably prohibited people from expressing themselves in certain ways but uh, i'm sure that uh, rick who is a very worldly guy um, we'll have some interesting insights to share about his travels in Afghanistan. Our guest is American Rick Gazarian, who's on a quest to travel all 193 countries recognized by the United Nations. He'll share about his trip to Afghanistan, the 140th on his list, which he visited in November 2019. He joins us by Skype from Bangkok. Hey there, Rick. Hey, Scott. Hey, Trevor. Thanks for uh, welcoming me. Thank you. <laughs> Sure, no problem. Thanks for coming on the show. You were on our show before, episode number 45, which was Out There Asian Adventures, way back in May of 2016, Ooh. when you shared stories about your travel documentary, Hit the Road India, Thailand's Surin Islands, and a visit to Chernobyl, among other exotic destinations. Uh, we've stayed in touch since, and we saw on Twitter that you had recently gone to Afghanistan, and we wanted to learn more. Um, so before we get into that, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself for those listeners who hadn't heard number 45, where you're from, where you live now, and then how you got on this quest to visit all these countries. Sure, that sounds great. Uh, as you mentioned, Rick Gazarian, I'm a travel blogger who's on a quest to visit all 193 countries in the world and documenting it as I go along. Um, originally from Boston, but I am living off and on in Bangkok for over six years now. Six years, eh? Holy, time passes fast. <laughs> I feel like I met you when you were 
pretty new here. And uh, you and I have bumped into each other a lot over the last few years at events. So look, I know that you're on this quest for all countries. So what made you choose Afghanistan now? Yeah, so I mean, Afghanistan had always been on the bucket list. Um, Obviously, the news about Afghanistan is not great. And it hasn't been great for 30, 40 years. It's either violence, civil war, destruction, terrorism. It's it's not a great byline. But there's also unparalleled beauty and um, great history and culture and fabulous people. So since I am on a quest of visiting 193, it was simply just a matter of time and filling in my calendar, but always was high in my list to visit. Wow. So yeah, you know, it's funny. I was thinking maybe you would have just done them alphabetically, but obviously <laughs> Afghanistan would have been done sooner. Um, you know, like for people who have never been to Afghanistan, which would have included you before this trip, you would have preconceived ideas of what it might be like, especially a place like Afghanistan that, you know, is kind of exotic and potentially dangerous and whatnot. So before you went, what were you expecting it to be like? Yeah, I, I mean, I've been following Afghanistan, so to speak, I since uh, high school. I remember doing a history paper on the invasion of the Soviets into Afghanistan. So I've always kind of been familiar with it. And of course, since 9-11, Afghanistan has played a real central role in uh, people's minds after uh, the attack. Um Yeah, I did have an impression while I mentioned all those great things about Afghanistan, like the beauty and the history and the culture. I definitely had an impression that this was a broken and failed state because Mm. the reality is you see the pictures, you see the video. It's, you know, it's always in regard to something negative that just took place, a terrorist bomb attack or, you know, some killings or some destruction. So in my back of my mind, I was expecting really pretty much a a failed state at some level. So you're expecting failed state. You turn up there. So what were the biggest differences, surprises compared to your pre-visit impressions and what reality was? Yep. So, I mean, it, like in many cases, it's a 180 degree difference in terms of my worst case scenario and what I actually witnessed. Um, And I'll just, I'll be it. That, of course, is I didn't see the whole country. I went to four different places and the places I visited are the more secure and more safe areas of the country. Um, But within hours, I was at this lovely restaurant with my group dining Mm -hmm. on great local food. All the other tables were full with local Afghans. There was even a local Afghan musician uh, serenading the restaurant. So, um and that was it within several hours of landing. I was in this very civil, very nice environment. So, yeah. So you touched down and, and you say group. Were you on a group tour or what was it? Yeah. So th- I was on a group tour. There were seven visitors like myself. I was one of the seven and two tour guides um, and, you know, a number of different drivers. So this was uh, the group I was with for over uh, two weeks during my visit run by a company called Untamed Borders, based in uh, London, and they specialize in countries like Afghanistan, Pakistan, Yemen, Somalia, 
etc. Yeah, because that's what I was wondering about. Like, this isn't really like a independent traveler backpacker country. I imagine you might be able to pull it off that way, but I was wondering like how you planned your trip or how you decided who you were going to go with and what part of the country you wanted to see. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you made a great point, Trevor. I mean, it's all about comfort zone. Um, the reality is I know a lot of other um, people who are chasing 193, so are trying to visit all the countries in the world. So I am aware of friends of mine who've been to the country and have couch surfed um, mm. and, and gone on local transportation. The reality is this is so far from my comfort zone that I would never do that. Um, this country, Libya, Yemen, I mean, are... 100% countries I would not visit on my own independent, independently, and I would want to go with an organization that specializes specializes in countries like this, has contacts on you know in the local community, and knows which areas are safe um, and secure. So that's why I did choose Untamed Borders. Um, one of their lead guys is Pashtun. So he has tons of local contacts. He speaks the local languages, et cetera, et cetera. And then just a disclosure, I am working with Untamed Borders. So uh, I just want to add that in as well. That's fair enough, you know, and and now I feel more comfortable that you are going to survive your mission to go to all <laughs> these countries because uh, otherwise it could be a little reckless. Um, so when you got into the country and, and it's cool that you're working with these people, so maybe then you could uh, kind of work with them to customize your itinerary. But uh, could you tell us about your itinerary, like what parts of the country you went to and maybe what you did, uh, your highlights of, of the, the sites you saw? In my situation, there was no customization since I was technically on a group trip, um, but you can do private tours on your own if you wish. Um, so again, I didn't have to do a lot of research personally into what I felt were secure areas. I felt comfortable with this company making those decisions on my behalf. So we visited four different places, Kabul, the capital, uh, which is where I landed, um, Mazar Sharif, which is up north, Bamiyan, which uh, is in the, we'll say west of Kabul, which is set in the mountains. And on the far west, sort of closer to Iran is Herat. So those are the four places that we visited during our two week trip. That's crazy, man. So actually, I was not expecting you to say you landed in Kabul. I figured that you went to, you know, northern Afghanistan, where you've traditionally heard is quite different and really safe. So to be honest, like, God, I don't know if I'd go to Kabul, man. There's still some pretty crazy stuff that goes there. And in our show notes, uh, we'll show uh, on a map where where Rick has been. But can you just tell me, like, where did you fly from? And then you landed in, in Kabul. Like, what's it like in Kabul? Hmm. Yeah. So I, I had actually been visiting Uzbekistan for a couple of weeks. Mm -hmm. And uh, thankfully and nicely, there is a very quick direct flight from Tashkent okay. to Kabul. So that was a, uh, you know, no uh, jet lag to worry about. That was like a two hour flight and mm -hmm. landed in Kabul in the afternoon and checked into the guest house that evening. Um, Kabul is a, you know, like any in some ways typical giant incredibly congested uh city or capital around the world mm -hmm. um yeah traffic was horrible there pollution um but very vibrant very lively hmm. and it, again i this image of like a failed state 
everything was normal. Normal in the fact that there were people on the street, kids walking to school, mothers in the markets going shopping, restaurants open, stores open. It was a normal city in Central Asia like I'd been to before. That's nuts because like, you know, Trevor and I have traveled pretty extensively, not places like Kabul. And I completely appreciate what we see in the media is not an accurate picture of on the ground. That said, I mean, some pretty crazy, nasty shit still goes down semi-regularly in Kabul. Like, was there any evidence of that? Yeah, well, definitely you would see, yeah, I mean, there's definitely bullet-ridden buildings, bombed-out buildings. Um, you would see that throughout the city. And it's not that the media is, it, it, it's not fake news. All those events uh, that they're reporting on do take place. It's just, if it's a city of several million people, you know, it's a very statistical small people who are dying by violence or terrorist attacks every day. I mean, the day after we left, a, you know, convoy going to the airport was attacked by a suicide bomber. So nothing happened when we were there. But if, you know, our trip was one day longer and we happened to have the bad luck of traveling to the airport at the same time, mm. you know, it could have been a different story. Okay, so one more potentially stupid question, but you're in Kabul. Like, are you staying in the green zone or in a fortified behind a wall area or what? Yeah, I think there's two different strategies of how you do this. One is you go full in. And what I mean by full in, you're in an armored car. You're walking around with guys who have AK-47s in a highly fortified uh, building or hotel. Um, this company, Untamed Borders, they're doing a different strategy. We are basically driving around in ancient ship boxes and we're dressed in as locals and hmm. we're staying at a guest house, which is off the grid. Hmm. Now it's interesting that you get to dress as locals just because that's probably kind of fun and uh, it's probably the most comfortable clothes to wear while you're there. But I assume you didn't necessarily do it to blend in. Uh, we had some we had some guests on who talked about their travels in Iran and they told us that that was the friendliest place they'd ever traveled to. So we were curious uh, how you were treated as a foreign visitor in Afghanistan. Yeah, um, you know, you, you always kind of wonder about that going in again because there's a perception. Um, uh, I didn't have one negative experience with the local, you know, you know, at worst, they were indifferent to outright hospitable, friendly, smiling and welcome. So hmm. tons of tons of interactions with the locals. I mean, one quick example, we're up north and uh, pomegranates were in season up in the north. And literally there were like 50 stands in a row in one section on the road with 50 different shopkeepers. And it's one of those things I think you, I know you guys have been there. It's, we spent 45 minutes just hanging out with pomegranate sellers. And that's one of those great travel memories that you keep with you. I mean, it's not a museum. It's not an ancient mosque. It's just hanging out, taking photos, joking around uh, with some local guys. So, I mean, what do you see in Kabul, for instance? I know you went to other places, but like, what do you, what do you see in Kabul? Like, what's the sightseeing? Kabul, I, I mean, there's no, I would say, like, fantastic sites per se in Kabul. Uh, there's one beautiful blue mosque that we went to set up on the hill. Uh, we went to a uh, uh, park up on another hill. We went to a couple viewing points. But one of my favorite, I think, highlights of my trip 
is, and I'll probably butcher the name a little bit, but it's the Afghan Children's Mobile Mini Circus. Um, mm -hmm. And this is a NGO started by a foreigner a good 10 years ago. And what they're doing is they're teaching children um, circus skills, everything from juggling to uh, acrobatics, plus a lot of other life skills. This has expanded from Kabul to 10 or 15 other cities around Afghanistan. And these kids have performed, I think it's like something like for several million Afghans over the last 10, 15 years. Wow, and awesome. just walking through the gates of their headquarters there in Kabul, and again, you know, there is a guy with an AK-47 at the door and there is like a wall. But once you pass through that, you forget everything. And kids are kids. They're smiling. They're having fun. They're joking. They're laughing. Um, this was a little different since the kids were doing acrobatics and juggling. But it's one of these anecdotes which gives you hope. And that was definitely a real special memory when I went to visit Kabul. Wow, you know, again, I'd like to direct people to our show notes because uh, we'll have links to Rick's blog. And I assume you probably have some pretty good photos of that up there, yeah? Yeah, that was yeah, that was a fun visit and I was definitely clicking a lot of photos. That sounds pretty awesome. Because uh, we have something similar here in Cambodia. I don't know if you've been to the FAR circus here, but uh, they, they have a Cambodian circus that sounds kind of like a similar project. So just thinking about photos, uh, I was thinking about food as well because it's that time of evening. Did you get any uh, really good food photos? How was the food there? Was it very exotic? Well, I mean, I guess that's eye of the beholder. <laughs> yeah. um, I would say the food was a cross between um, Persian and Indian. Um, mm. I'm actually kind of a weird picky eater, but this is one of the cuisines I like. Um, so in general, th this was pretty good, decent food for me. But it's also, I mean, it's kind of basic. It's salads, it's grilled chickens, it's a lot of bread, um, and a ton of tea. So get ready for tea. <laughs> Was it good tea? Are you a tea guy? Um, when I'm on the road like that, I, I'm definitely a tea guy. So, I mean, you might have heard the three cups of tea saying it's more like 10 or 20 cups of tea there a day. Right, right, right. So, sorry, was this a two-week trip you said? Yep, two weeks. Okay. Now, I mean, we've kind of touched on the danger. Uh, I mean, how did you mitigate risk, and did you end up in any dangerous situations in that two weeks? In short, no dangerous situations for hmm. me the entire two weeks. Um, and again, mitigating, I really, I didn't have, th this was kind of a nice exception for me, because usually I travel independently, but I really put myself at their hands, the company's hands. They did the itinerary, they found the hotels, they had the drivers, the cars, the agenda, um, and then again, wearing the local clothing. Um, so it was really okay. Uh, but I'll give you, I, I guess, two examples. We're up north and we go uh, to a area, it's like only 45 minutes away from Mazar Sharif, it's called Balkh. And we're visiting a couple places and our guide, Kozer, is kind of moving the group along. He's like, okay, guys, let's go, let's go, let's go, let's move it. And, you know, we're kind of dilly-dallying. We're taking our photos, talking to some kids. We get in the car, and he's like, okay. He's like, that's not a great area. He's like, in, uh, 30 minutes west is Taliban, and 30 minutes south is Al-Qaeda. 
So when you're when you do hear that, I mean, that is sobering. And also, I, I think this leads to the pros and cons of being independent. If you're independent and you don't speak um, Pashto or Urdu and you're walking around and you get in a taxi and you go in the wrong directions, 30 minutes is not much of a buffer zone. You know, I'm looking at a Google map here. And uh, once again, if people go to the website, talktravelasia.com, we'll have uh, Google Maps with uh, pins that indicate where you went on your travels. Um, but looking at the map here, I, I mean, it's it's a relatively large country and you were there for a little while and I'm looking to see where Mazar Sharif is. And there seems to be like like wildlife protected areas and natural preserves and stuff like that. What, you know, what were some of the mo- more surprising or more interesting uh, like sceneries or, 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 you know, like natural beauty that you saw while you were traveling around the country? I mentioned Bamiyan. Uh, Bamiyan is famous, uh, unfortunately, in a really sad way. Bamiyan was famous for two giant Buddha statues that were carved into the oh, mountainside. Yeah. Um, I'm going to... I'm grabbing at these numbers, but let's say they're 50 meters tall. Um, and let's say thousand or 1500 years old. Um, these were incredibly precious, valuable historical commodities. These were blown up by the Taliban. Um, Mm. we went to go visit this area, this town. It's this, um, it's only like a four hour drive from Kabul, but we had to fly there. In fact, everywhere we went, we flew because uh, Untamed Borders considers it unsafe to drive. So we took a 25-minute flight to Bamiyan. It's set in, I mean, fantastically gorgeous mountains. And the town, so I think it might only be like 100,000 people, is set in the valley in the shadow of where the Bamiyan Buddhas used to rest. Um, And Trevor, you mentioned national parks. Um, the only national park in the entire country is uh, the Bamiyan uh, Park there. Oh, um, yeah. Some unbelievably stunning um, mountain lakes set within the mountains. So we did spend uh, a day driving out to the countryside and visiting the lakes and taking a, a brief hike around the area. I'm trying to find that. Is that is that up in the north near the yeah, border of Tajikistan or... Just look at Kabul and yep. uh, expand the map and look to the west of Kabul. Oh, west. Okay. So tell us about a couple of the other places. Marzi Sharif up north, which is pretty close to the Uzbekistan border. High on my bucket list was watching a sport called Buskashi, which is it's basically the first game of polo. So a game played on horses. Um, instead of a ball, it's a dead a carcass or of a goat or a calf is the ball. So it's two teams competing against each other generally, and you have to grab the dead goat and get it to the goal on the opposing side. I mean, when I think of Central Asia, I mean, this is kind of one of the things that I think sort of epitomizes the nomadic lifestyle. And I've actually seen this sport once before in Kyrgyzstan at the World Nomad Games, but that was very professionalized. But seeing it here after midday prayers on Friday and just seeing all the local guys come out on their horses and they're just having fun competing on a Friday afternoon was just this real cool, genuine experience for me. Yeah, that sounds pretty fascinating. And 
And looking at the map and clicking on some of the photos, like it, it looks like a, a very interesting and beautiful Incredible. place. And I've never really done many like organized tours, but this does seem like a place you'd want to do that. And uh, and then you don't have to worry about figuring out where to go, which is usually what I have to do. So it, you've convinced me. But in general, would you recommend that other people travel to Afghanistan? I, I mean, that's a difficult question. I mean, that's the answer is both yes and no. And it comes down to, I think, what I mentioned before, like that comfort zone that you have. So if you are an adventurous traveler, and I guess at some level you're you're willing to take a bit more risk than, let's say, a traditional vacation or trip, um, this is definitely a country that should be visited. I, I just found it really rewarding. At any point, did it go through your head like, am I going to get kidnapped and get my head sawed off? Yeah, probably you know, every day or a couple times a day, just <laughs> because, you know, I've read enough books. You're I've American. Yeah. I've watched enough movies. I've read enough books. So maybe I have an active imagination. So when I would walk into a hotel in the back of my mind, I would play it out. Like, I'm like, okay, if someone comes to my room or the restaurant when we're dining, how do I, you know, what would I do to evade escape? Mm. But nothing happened. Um, and it was a very safe trip for me over those two weeks. But at the end of the day, as I think we all know these days, anything can happen at any time, anywhere. But Afghanistan is a country of you know, 30, 40 million. And it, what you're talking about is a statistical anomaly of you being in a random suicide bombing per se. I hate questions like, what was your favorite thing? So we're just going to say rapid fire, favorite memory. There's this very well-known shrine mosque in Marzi Sharif. It's this, you know, very beautiful blue tiled mosque. And going there at sunrise was pretty, pretty awesome. Because I'd seen pictures of this mosque for years and definitely wanted to visit. Okay, Okay. I got a rapid fire question then. What was the weirdest or craziest thing that you saw or experienced? Buskashi kind of fits that. Um, I also did see some form of cockfighting uh, up north again. And our guide brought us into this very nondescript building. And I, I actually didn't know what we we're doing. And we walked through like a passage or two and we ended up in this little amphitheater with probably 200 locals, all men, of course. And there's a couple of uh, cocks fighting each other. My next rapid fire, did you actually have any interactions with women? And I don't mean mm-hmm. sexual, but just like regular interactions. No. So um, I love taking photos. I love taking photos of people. Um, I have a lot of photos on my blog. I have no woman and maybe one or two like girls um, hmm. I was able to take photos of like at the circus, for instance. But in short, um, it is extremely culturally inappropriate for you to have conversations with females and the same rule goes for them likewise. So I did not have any. Wow interactions with women during my trip. Okay, I got another rapid fire one. Do you, do you collect souvenirs or like not like a refrigerator magnet, but maybe something cooler? Did you did you take anything home from Afghanistan? The only souvenir I got was at first I don't usually keep souvenir uh, collect souvenirs, um, but I did make an exception in this country. I usually try and read a book uh, before I go to each country and this book I can't remember the exact title, but it's something like uh, The Bookseller of Kabul. Um, It's a real book. A Norwegian journalist after 9-11 embeds 
herself with an Afghan family. And this Afghan family, the father happens to own an extremely well-known bookstore in Kabul. So we got to go visit this bookstore at the end of the trip. I met the owner and I did purchase uh, this book that the Norwegian author wrote. When are you, you think you're going to hit your 193rd country? Well, that, I think that uh, all those plans have been turned uh, upside down. Um, I had a tentative plan to finish in 2022, um, but we'll have to reevaluate everything after COVID. All right. Well, thanks for coming on. Is there anything else you'd like to plug? Uh, obviously, we'll have the links to your blog on our show notes, but if there's anything else you'd like to share with our guests, uh, feel free. Just check out my blog or social media at Global Gaz, G-A-Z. Um, and you can check out Untamed Borders website as well. Cool. Thanks, Rick. That was, that was really Yeah, very cool. interesting. Uh, yeah, so I like, uh, I like talking about places that we don't think about traveling too often. And, uh, you know, like I, I would never have thought of going there, but it, it sounds quite interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, 100%. I mean, I would go back. It was that good. I'd love to see more of the country and revisit the places that I went to. Wow. Uh, that was amazing. And in fact, I think we could have easily gone another half hour or so with Rick. And uh, for those of you listening, we kind of did keep going after the interview because it, it just is such a void and, and such a an unknown place. And it's actually something we're going to do here. I think we're unofficially calling this season three. And we're going to try and talk to a lot of people in places that we haven't really been and we don't know about uh, this being one of them. So, hey, Trevor, are you going to go on a trip to Afghanistan real soon? I don't know that I'm going to go to a trip to Afghanistan necessarily. But but yeah, when we were deciding to start up our, our season three um, I, you know, we're like, what are we going to talk about? We've already done 100 episodes. And, and I think it's great that we're starting to do episodes about a lot more places that we've never been to or we don't really know anything about and, and bringing people on that, that have traveled there and can share some insights on places that uh, most people probably don't know anything about, at least not from a tourism perspective, at least. Yeah, one of my, I hope to get there one day, not right now. I hope in my lifetime it's peaceful enough to go. I'm just not willing to risk it. But I really enjoyed this episode because I learned a lot. And like you said earlier at the beginning, it's like we're pretty worldly people. But, you know, while we were speaking with Rick, I was clicking on photos and different things. And I realized, man, I, I know nothing about this place. So it's always fun to think hopefully we're helping our, our listeners learn things that they didn't know about. But actually, I learned a ton on this episode. So, yeah, it, it, that, it was enriching for me. Yeah, and again, uh, people can go to the website, TalkTravelAsia.com. We do spend a bit of time on our show notes to make sure there's maps and links and photos and interesting and useful information so that if you want to plan a trip there, you just want to learn more about Afghanistan, um, check out the show notes because I, I think that they're pretty helpful. It's like a good supplement. And, you know, like talking about continuing to talk to Rick after the, we stop recording, we should almost start to do some bonus feature material for some of our Patreon supporters because, uh, you know, we could easily just keep recording after we stop the main show because oftentimes that's some of the most interesting stuff, I think. Yeah, that is a great idea. It involves a fair bit more work, but it is something we should uh, 
try and do to give something extra to our Patreon supporters. On that note, to help us keep this thing going, because we do it out of love of travel and with our own money, please go to patreon.com, search Talk Travel Asia, and sponsorship begins at $1 a month. We would really, really appreciate the support, so please do that. We will be back with another episode in two weeks. And if you ever have an idea for an episode, send us an email. Good chance we'll do it. So from Bangkok, Thailand, this is Scott Coates saying thank you very much. Yep. Thanks, everybody, for listening. From Phnom Penh, Cambodia, this is Trevor Ranges. And uh, come back in two weeks, and we'll probably have some other interesting and different destination for you to hear about. Thanks for joining us on Talk Travel Asia. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Hey, Scott, do you remember the time we walked on top of the wall at Angkor Thom? And- 